great to be here. I came to the first one and I've been to all the other six. <laughs> For those who don't know, Radio Hotmap, thanks for coming and making time. It's on everybody's mind. For those who don't know, there's a big shebang. Sorry about that. Diabolical uh, um, uh, technical goodies. Radio Hotmap. Hot, 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 I apologise for our delay in the uh, international telecast of episode 264 of Radio Hotlap, that light-hearted and uh, zany podcast that takes an occasional look at motorsport, um, dressing gowns in this case, um, collections of literature, <laughs> technology and fuck all barbecues. Uh, um, I, I've had a little bit of a technical problem, but that, that, it's not about me. It's how are you tonight, mate? Hey, Hardy. Yeah, good. Glad you sorted your problem, which you've done with your usual aplomb, and you're now very much alive and vibrant and looking very healthy on my screen. I'm sorry. <laughs> As a fellow Four Eyes. Yeah, look, I uh, I think I actually more look more attractive with these on. You might think that. <laughs> well, I can see myself looking more attractive than than looking blurred. I mean, well, you enjoy looking at yourself. Is, is this is this normal in the in your late twenties to have this happen? Oh, obviously, yes. Everyone goes blind in their late twenties. Oh, for, uh, perhaps other it reasons. To me a couple of years ago. <laughs> other reasons, of course, you know. Well, actually, yeah, I just, I just recall that that wasn't the reason I went blind. But anyway, <laughs> too much time on your own. <laughs> on my hands, yes. <laughs> well, you know, folks, I have to say that um, I, I started the computer up. I thought I'll give it a fresh start up, and then I. I've got all these like limpet applications, and I don't want to be going into technologies to start with. But I had to shut down Adobe Creative Cloud, and I had to shut down Day One, which is my you know, diary that wants to tell me stuff across all my devices. And I had to shut down Pixelate, which is a version control for Photoshop and you know stuff that you wouldn't know anything about. But you know it's handy to be able to know what version to work on. And then Growl I had to shut down too. And Dropbox, I mean, five applications that had taken over my life. I mean, I felt like I was on a Windows box. Don't you hate that? I'm always doing that, closing down my limpid apps. <laughs> it's a good and word. Would you like to explain? I mean, I could, but I'll allow you to explain to the viewers what a limpid app is. Well, it's a little... It's, a, it's a, an application that you, you purchase or a service... And you install it, but it sneakily adds little bits of functionality into your menu bar across the top there. And, you know, you, the little thing comes up and, you know, we've got the who am I and the time and the petrol, how much petrol you've got in your car and Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and time machine back. And it just goes across the screen. I mean, I had to get a bigger screen. 
even the 27-inch screen went across there, which... Couldn't have explained it better myself. That's right. Anyway, limpet apps. Yeah, they like limpet mines. Like limpet mines, that's right, yes. Uh, if you remember Space 1999, you'll... Uh, Remember, there was a bit of a show where limpet mines were involved and also in Thunderbirds, but we didn't come to talk about that tonight. Good evening, oh, Formula One accredited megastar. Well, not anymore, I was. What happened? For four days. Oh, have you ever got a season pass this year? No. Why not? Why do I need a season pass? I only go to four races. I don't need to be having a season pass. That would commit me to more races. No, thank you. Uh, and, and Formula One is so attractive at the moment. The cars look great and oh, the sound is awesome and the racing is well, out of this world. I mean, Warden, how much excitement can you stand, Can one stand all at once, really? Well, could, you, could you explain what you mean? I suppose I don't really know what you're talking about. Maybe you could articulate it for me. <laughs> well, I hope if I could understand what the hell you well, said. Uh, yeah, a, I, thought, I, I thinking, thought that was the F1 car. I was, but yeah, well, I wish it to sound, sounded that good. No, I was being somewhat tongue-in-cheek. It was um, a bit of a disaster, really. But, you know, Radio Hot Lap, mate, before the show goes on, what are you having to drink tonight, mate? Um, you know, I'd, uh, you might be uh, having something a little bit interesting. No, I don't know if it's interesting, just a, a cheeky red as usual. Kunawara Cabernet Sauvignon 2011. Well, chink chink. And it is the Kunawara brand. Ah, uh, no, what is it? No, not Kunawara. It's Riddick. That's right, the Riddick brand. Riddick? So, yes. Well, that, you'll, you'll be With getting... Same figure in wine growing in Kunawara, apparently. I think it's, it's, it was more, I think it's more, Riddock. More usually associated with wins and, and their black label. I think it's Riddock. R-I-D. Riddock, yes. Red, red, when do you Riddock. get the E in that with Brennan's Riddock? Riddock sounds like you're going to Tasmania this weekend. I am. Yes, we'll get on to that later. Uh, so, um, anyway, so there you go. That's what I'm sipping on as we speak. It's been a few weeks since we enjoyed your dulcet tones locally, as you're in Melbourne today and I'm in Adelaide. Uh after the Clipsal 500, which was a very pleasant weekend. And then I was off to New Zealand. You had the, the Grand Prix, which had a wonderful outcome. And I suppose we, you know, everyone knows the, the actual outcome of it. But, uh, mate, what were your overall thoughts about it? You know, Fogues' deep thinking thoughts, you know, 10 days later. It was rubbish. <laughs> no parties. <laughs> No, it was. I was just so disappointed that the the sound and actually the lack of the the lack of the richness of the noise, the, the lack of the volume of the new cars was extremely disappointing. And I'm certainly not the only one who thought it was very underwhelming. Um, the look of the cars, well, you know, most of them were eyesores. And then at the end of the day, I just think that the racing was very ordinary. You know, a lot of the unpredictability that we were promised never happened. Um, 15 of the cars finished and only five of them were due to mechanical breakdowns. Two of them were put out in the first corner crash. Um, 
engines, you know, expiring all over the place and cars sitting amid clouds of steam and licking flames, licking out of them on the side of the track. Um, the engines look, you know, they had their problems, but all in all, they were pretty much, if not bulletproof, they at least got there to the finish. And then the racing itself, I thought, honestly, was nothing different. It just wasn't exciting. You know, Nico Rosberg pretty much disappeared off into the distance. The Mercedes, despite Lewis Hamilton's early exit, the Mercedes are the pace setters. They have the best reliability. They have complete control. They have time, up, you know, up their sleeves. Um, the revelation really was how well Red Bull recovered from their very troubled pre-season testing. And again, Sebastian Vettel, he had all of Mark Webber's luck descend upon him during the weekend. And it was left up to our boy, Daniel Ricciardo, to, to um, fly the flag. And he did that with, with great distinction. I mean, he proved that the car is fast enough to be competitive and he finished a strong second until being disqualified for the um, exceeding the fuel flow limit consistently according to the officials and that's a long involved and boring technical discussion that will end up getting nowhere because they won't win their appeal the FIA just <laughs> it doesn't judge these matters on logic or what may be right or wrong it just goes it makes a determination simply or what the letter of the rules say. So don't expect Daniel to get his second back. But it was a, a, an incredible performance, really, given it was his debut with the Red Bull Racing team. You had some standouts like Kevin Magnussen, who finished... Um, where did he finish? He well, finished, he finished second. In the, uh, no, well, he finished third and then got elevated. Oh, sorry, second. quite so. Well, he that finished second. Great, yeah, yeah. A rookie effort. He's, you know, and I'm not surprised, you know, he overshadowed Jensen Button. Button eventually got on the podium as well just because, you know, he's just such a clever driver. Um, Valtteri Bottas was... His charge through the field from 15th was um, the highlight. There was the, you know, the standout... Um, he performed the standout racing and got up to sixth, I think, or something before he, you know, whacked the wall and had to go to the pits and then, you know, drove his way back. Um, I think he still finished sixth, didn't he? Or seventh. Mm -hmm. He still finished sixth or yeah, seventh. Yeah, no, it was a great drive, but it was the eight, you know, that was the highlight by far. Um, and, you know, there was talk that the cars would be incredibly difficult for the drivers you know, to control because of all the, you know, um, they didn't have any more horsepower in their new guys, but they certainly had a, way more torque and they were supposed to be, you know, a real handful of cars and the drivers would be sliding all over the place. Well, as far as I could see, they were just nailed to the track through the corners as usual. So, I mean, I'll admit that that was the first race for these very, very new breed of cars and things will improve. The teams will get more used to them, they'll develop them very quickly and probably halfway through the season, hopefully um, the spectacle, if not the sound, will have improved, although I understand there are very serious moves underway to improve the quality, the audio quality of the engine somehow um, some very powerful people have recognised that the sound is just not good enough and it will improve somehow. Well look you know, we don't need to go into the southern hemisphere um, a version of Donald Trump's hairpiece um, 
right at this point. But it'd be suffice to say that uh, it's an excellent opportunity for brands like Bose to get involved, would it not? If they can't make it through the engine, why wouldn't they use excellent speaker systems to create the effect? Who knows? Or someone like that. Synthetic sound is an option, but I think that would be quite sad. I think they, you know, the engineers or the engine makers and their engineers are smart enough to be able to retune the engines and, um, you know, simply make them sound better. Um, not even so much louder, just a richer, fuller, more racing-like sound is what's required. Just today I happened to watch a, a short four or five minute video of Yano Truly uh, testing one of the Formula E cars in a circuit south of Paris this week. And uh, whilst the cars look a bit, you know, they look a little bit very lightweight. Um, he was um, all, uh, all full of praise for the fact that it responded to change um, and it felt like a racing car, and while I was when he was sitting in it, it felt like a Formula One car, and the the sound was sort of okay. So um, I guess that there's there's plenty of people who have written about this sound in Formula One um, in the last couple of weeks, but it, perhaps it's only a matter of time before everyone becomes used to it. Because for those where the Formula E cars will go to, you know, a really uh, inside city streets of, of uh, Los Angeles, people who have never seen a car race before, they wouldn't know any difference. Well, the, the expectation sound-wise with, with electric racing cars is very low, so you know, there is no expectation because they're essentially quiet, although there's all the whizzing, buzzing sounds, which is a new sound in itself, and that's fine. Formula One cars weren't anything like that. They were just quiet and the sound was terrible. I can't, you know, flatulent is what I want to say is how they sounded. Um, it was just a very poor noise that they made. So when you have such high expectations with Formula One and over the years you've been used to screaming engines, you know, you, you expect some sort of quality to, to the noise that they're emitting from the exhaust pipes, you know, not this strangled sound. It, it just, you know, to me, I'd describe it like, you know, they sounded like sick blowflies. Uh, like they're on your swatting There are now. actually blowflies. There seems to be a lot of flies yeah. in Adelaide. Right. I've never, John, and I'm sure you haven't either, certainly at Formula One or any racetrack, I've never been to a race meeting and stood beside or near the track itself certainly not during a Formula One race, when you could have a normal conversation. Yes. That's not right. No, you, d you did mention that. Particularly and down the main pit straight. Now, about any people who could be happy with that, certainly not the paying putters, any people who might be happy about that are the, are the corporate types who are up in their suites. And, and um, save, the, save the parklands. Drinking... And eating, they love the fact that they carry on conversation. And I guess, yes, that all the residents around Albert Park would probably be happy, but um, that's not really the issue. We're just, you know, something's got to be done. And it's not just well, the sound is the way it is because they're turbo engines, yes, but we've had turbo engines in the past, you know, in Formula One itself in the 1980s, um, in CART 
and then Cham Car, and even IndyCar Racing today, they're turbo engines, but, but they don't sound like, you know, strangled, farting hippopotami. Well, where does this leave earplug manufacturers in China? I mean, folks, this is a global problem now. Wouldn't be investing in earplugs retailers at Formula One races, no, not at all. I mean, we are a nanny state, nanny country, should I say. Don't do that, don't sit there, don't smoke that, don't... Oh, I'm sure sales of them at Albert Park were very poor. You just didn't need them. And, you know, I mean, yes, I'm adopting an old-fashioned view because I'm lucky enough to have heard Formula One cars, you know, over a span of 40-odd years, so I know what a good... And all sorts of racing cars. So I know what a good one sounds like. Um, A newer generation, you know, might have a different view, but I still think that, you know, even young, young, very young people going to the Grand Prix in Melbourne would have would have been disappointed because it just it just didn't sound like angry they didn't sound like angry racing cars. They didn't sort of fill you with awe just because of the this of the bone shaking sound that would normally reverberate through you and, and would would just you know fill you with this sense of there being something very special out on the track because you could actually literally feel it in your bones. It's vibrating straight through you. There was none of that. And I I can't see that's right. You know, yes, I, I know there's room for a different sound and different technology, but I, I just cannot believe this is the right way. No, I, I can fully agree with you. And um, I think it's going to take some time, for certainly for the purists or those of us who have, have had experiences like yourself with, uh, with Formula One. A couple of weeks ago, or perhaps just before I went to New Zealand 10 days ago, I happened to sit down and watch on Apple TV the movie One, which I believe you went to the premiere of in Melbourne, which uh, mm-hmm. I thought was an, an absolutely fascinating movie because it really, it really was about highlighting the how events and people came to create safety within the sport. Um, there was a little bit of, you know... I suppose it's coincidental that there was quite a, a long bit drawn out there between Louder and, and Hunt, and I, you know, hey, maybe, maybe that was, you know, instrumental at the time as well as getting a bit of uh, traction off it. But I, I have to say, I actually preferred the movie. I watched it twice to the um, the movie that Ron Howard made I, because it was, uh, I guess, it was more factual for me. The movie was? Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed one because yeah. it was more factual. Oh, it's a documentary. Yeah, one. Yeah, well, one is. But very nice graphics. Interesting. That was done well, but it's, you know, it told a story of a very, of the most dangerous time in motorsport and how Formula One particularly evolved. But, um, yes, it was well done. Rush is a movie. Hmm. We talk about it. It's not a documentary. It's a dramatisation. And as such, I think it worked very well and it was reasonably successful at the box office. One is, well, like the Senna documentary, you know, it's a, it's a factual portrayal of what went on or a distillation of, a, of, um, of that era that, well, it went through from the most dangerous days, if you like, you know, into the 50s, into the 60s, then the, the safety reforms in the 70s and 80s and come out the other end after... Ed and Senna's death in 94, May 1, 94, that changed the game radically and made cars, made Formula One cars, you know, well, they'll never be 
completely safe, but they're as safe, they became as safe as they'll ever be. And I think that documentary, one, you know, portrayed that timeline and what happened as well as giving an insight into the characters of the day very well. So, you know, motorsport fans have been very well served by documentaries and films. <laughs> what are you, Bill Collins tonight? Films. Films. I actually happened to watch uh, late last night. I just couldn't sleep and I um, I decided, well, I will put uh, Senna on my Apple TV and purchase it. And I zipped right through to the end to hear your voice. On the movie, famous yeah. folks in the center movie. Just viewers, I tell you, you know, you just, you just, just, there's no short of royalty, you know, hanging around this show. Very privileged to be in that documentary. Absolutely. Now, I'm heading over to uh, Germany this weekend with Nathan Morkham to do a couple of, uh, actually, three days of testing, one at a, an, in Zandvoort. In um, the Sandy Zandvoort track, just near Amsterdam, I don't know if I need to really do much. I'll probably just go down to a coffee shop and have a bit of a smoke. You know, I've done everything. I've got him in the car. He can run around there, and then um, back to back to Frankfurt, and then up to Osserschleben, which apparently the Germans say is not actually a a place we want to show visitors. Sounds like an industrial rubbish land or something like that. But anyway, um, but at the same time, should be good, and I'll report back to you viewers about how that all happens, um, no doubt, while I'm over there. But uh, but you're off very to... Very exciting uh, for Nathan. Yeah, very exciting for Nathan, and um, very pleased to say that uh, the Australian airline Qantas has come on board, uh, alongside with some other companies, Harrop Engineering today, and uh, Seven Friday Watches. It's, um, it's really quite... Quite an experience. Um, I'm uh, I'm very pleased for him, and I'm I'm you know I think we're going to see a, a star in the making. He'll either do it or he won't, and uh, so it happens. But for you folks, the Southern Lands, not as far as MH370 would go, but a little bit to the south this weekend for V8 Stupid well, Cars. Obviously, it's not too soon. What? what? Making cracks about. MH370 already. I didn't make a crack. I just said it wasn't as south as. Or as southwest as, no. Well, yes, I, I mean, we've talked about this before, folks. Folks, folks, we're on that subject. You know we talked about this earlier, that if you wanted to get help about what was going on in that part of the world, who would you have called? Tony Bullymore. With the I Newton message pad. Soon. I think it's too soon. You're going to push this boat, aren't you? Anyway, that, that, was, that was your segue to me going to Simmons Plains for the next V8 event this weekend. Yes. <laughs> Where I expect the Volvo to dominate. Scott McLaughlin, if he, if he doesn't rush off into the distance there, I'll be very surprised. I mean, Simmons Plains is essentially two big drag strips joined by a couple of corners, and that's where the Volvo S60 seems to be very strong at the moment, much to the chagrin. Is it chagrin or chagrin? <laughs> much to the annoyance, anyway, of, um, of some of the other teams, and there's a lot of rumblings going on that moves should be made to rein in the Volvo with its, um, well, it's got the perfect in the V8 
supercar since it's got the right aero package and it's got a stonking engine at the moment and uh, combine that with um, young Scott McLaughlin who is a super talent um, going to be hard to beat I would imagine but uh, I mean look this is an interesting one, folks. I can see that Nissan and Mercedes operations, uh, as in uh, Erebus and, and, and Nissan Kelly, would be, you know, I don't know, pissed is the right word, but feeling like they've been hard done by... Look, Gary Rogers' operation is smart. They, they, they're clever and... Um, Perhaps the benefit of what they've seen in terms of, you know, the aero testing and just what's gone on in the first year has played to their advantage. But uh, I don't think that the Volvo needs to be pegged back. I think it needs to be let it go and let the other guys rise to the plate. But um, it's certainly good for the sport at the moment. It's, it's aroused a lot of interest. And that of all things, a Volvo is winning. And um, mate, I was barefoot in New Zealand. Couldn't buy a jandal anywhere. Yeah, so you you weren't even able to able to give it some jandal. No, I wasn't. I, I, but I was I was munching on jelly tips all week because my feet were so hot. Because it was it was shorts and t shirt there for ten days. It was thirty one degrees in Wanganui. I mean, like, what's with that? I've never seen it so hot. Jelly tips. That's what it was on both right. feet. Mm. And ask Scott about that. Ask him about jelly tips. He'll know jelly tips. Asking him, well, do you, do you keep them in a chully bun? No, they're already in a chully bun. Are they? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Next to the chups. Yeah. That's viewers, is it? But, 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 asky in New Zealand. If you're a little, if you're a little bit pickish, have a chuck and sandwich with a wee Fanta. I mean, you like it. <laughs> I'll leave our Kiwi friends alone. I like them. I am they a Kiwi. They can't help it. I am. No, you're right. Gary Rogers and Polestar in Sweden have they've been clever. They've done a good job. They've used Gary Rogers, particularly the, the years experience they have with the Commodore under the new generation car rules to, you know, that's given them a head start. Um, the, the engine is as old as it is as a production car engine, is obviously well suited to conversion to the V8 supercar spec, so it's got plenty of grunt. I mean, that car's got everything. It's got good top-end grunt. It's got particularly good low-down grunt, you know, punch out of the, to punch out of the corners. But it's also, aero-wise, it's, um, it's found the sweet spot. You know, it's a, it's a smaller car, and it's punching through the air a lot better. And, you know, I think if there's any... If there's any problem, it's not so much raining in the Volvo, it's the methodology of the aero testing or the aero parity, te parity testing that V8 Supercars does. It's, it's clearly not working. There's not parity at the moment. And, you know, Nissan have made an improvement as well. Not, a, not as much. Their engine is still not as strong, but they've improved their aero package basically by whacking a bigger wing on the rear, extending out further from the back. Um, Mercedes have done nothing because Erebus did have the opportunity to participate in the um, aero parity tests in January and make modifications if they wanted to, um, but they didn't take part. They're concentrating on engine development. Um, there's a lot of complaints. Well, not complaints, but the two surviving Ford teams 
if you take the whole FPR group and then DJR, um, there are mutterings there about how their aero package needs to be improved and that's part of their problem at the moment, particularly with FPR not being particularly competitive. Um, I would suggest you look at how the team is run and um, what they're doing rather than any great lacking in the Falcons aero package because it is essential, it's not essentially, it is the same car as last year and last year it was competitive. This year's not, so I don't think, and com compared with the Commodore, again, that's not changed. So, as I say, I wouldn't be looking at its aero, I would be looking at the team. Yes. It's not, uh, it's not an unpleasant event. The 55 second lap times make for interesting racing, high track density. Very difficult to get a uh, very difficult to get a, a clear run, and also uh, easy to become lapped, but also conversely easy to become unlapped. Yeah, no, should be good. But uh, good moving old, away from the move, sixties track and provides interesting racing. I think it's not a sixty forty that that they changed no. away from. What's the format this year for the races down there? I'm I'm confused. Uh, well, it's the new Super Sprint format, which is two races on Saturday and then a longer race on Sunday. So, I, you know, I should know, but I, I've forgotten. It's, you know, it's, broadly speaking, it's two 100-kilometre races on Saturday and a 200-kilometre race on Sunday. Anyway, give or take. Hmm. Um, and that's the new standard format for the regular events that they've adopted this year, and that seems to be working well. And, of course, but, well... And, of course, they've changed the rules again for restarts up safety cars. Oh, it's just mind-numbing, really. So um, you, you, you should get, like, an inch in the newspaper. <laughs> if I'm lucky, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, 40 seasons before flight. How much space do you reckon they'll be acing in again? You think you push, I'll do my best. You'll push, Lynch, push Lynchy Poo off the front page. Uh, well... When Harry Kuehl announces his retirement, you know, that's going to run and run for a few days at least. But, um, no, we'll give it our best shot. We'll get a bit of space in the age in Melbourne and the Sydney Morning Herald in, in Sydney, obviously, and some of the other Fairfax media papers. But I think it'll be interesting. And if, if as I suspect, McLaughlin and the Volvo is going to be the one to beat, not far behind again, like last year, will be the... Brad Jones Racing Commodores of uh, Fabian Coulthard and Jason Bright. Um, they do. has been busy rebuilding cars. You know, Brighty's car from the rollover in Clipsal and um, David Wall's big shunt. No, not David Wall. David <laughs> uh, Wood. Yeah. Big shunt um, at the Grand Prix. Um, so that set them back a bit development-wise, but they should be fast. And then, of course, you know, Jamie Wincup will be a factor, no doubt. He's not going to he's not going to lay back and just accept um, being beaten by the likes of Scott McLaughlin. So he'll be you know, he and Craig Lowndes will be very strong there. So fingers crossed, should be a bit of action. Yeah, Scott McLaughlin is definitely a bit of a crowd favourite. And uh, in fact, I had someone come round to the house just to um, try to fix this hot water problem which uh, is in its third month of um, and uh, not unable to unable to solve anything or but 
made a point of saying he'd been to Clipsal on the weekend. And I said, well, what did you think? And he goes, oh, I just, I, I was great. And I said, well, was it good because the Volvo got up? He goes, oh, no, it wasn't because the Volvo. It's because I love Scott McLaughlin. And this guy was 65. So I think that, that says it all. It's, you know, people can relate to him. and, and he's, he's a got, character. He's a future superstar, no doubt. Some are even describing him as the new Craig. Oh, jeez. Well, who would have written the book about Craig? Anyone you know? No. No. Can't no. see. No, no. Of course. That book is good. Was it good? Yeah, well, it was... Just... Loud book, yeah. It was... Uh... Anyway, quite had a quite it was a. Me who said he was the new Craig Lowndes. It was someone else. I, nor did I imply that, folks. <laughs> you were the one. Yes, <laughs> you <laughs> latched onto that. No, it was an excellent book about farming. There was a lot of farming material in there, and rolling around the rolling around the mountain when she comes. Now, folks, um, driver standards, not in Australia, but overseas. In the uh, the second round of the Tudor United Sports Car Championship, which is the amalgamation of, I guess, Rolex Grand Am, or a Grand Am Championship, which is owned by NASCAR and the American Le Mans Series, at Sebring, twelve hour has to be brought into a question. A massive amount of um, crashing, because at the last minute, IMS has come along and regraded the drivers, such to the point that. Pr- Drivers who had talent were upgraded to a gold or a platinum status, which made them untenable in the driver combinations in uh, GTD, especially GTD, and uh, and the PC category. And mate, it was uh, it was carnage. Yeah, I know. I know uh, this is not something that you're very particularly interested in, but you do have a little bit of love of uh, sports car racing. Um, I mean, you know, you have been over there to Le Mans a few times, slurping of the champagne down and licking caviar off David Richards, like uh, glass tops, not to mention staying at the Waterwheel Hotel. I mean, what do you, what do you think I of it? I <laughs> I was silly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the water. Well, I do know the And uh, we were there when Brabs won. It was you and I and Brabs. Coming up this weekend at the Paul Ricard circuit in the south of France is the official, official pre-season test for the World Endurance Championship. Oh boy, folks, you're good. Mark Webber will be there in the Porsche. Ah, and and, and so, but he'll be, the first time he's, he'll have gone up against the Audis and the Toyotas, so it'll be quite interesting. It'll be very interesting to see that. There's a lot of brand resurgence we're seeing coming out here, um, and today I hear that. Uh, Peugeot is returning to Dakar in 2015. And uh, no, ha- no doubt, uh, I mean, the last time... Ari Vartanen. Ari Vartanen. And... You have. But I don't know if they're going to be doing it. They, they had a unilateral pull-out, you know, withdrawal from sports car racing a couple of years ago, just, you know, bang, as you I'm know. I'm glad you mentioned it with sports car racing, not just the unilateral pull-out. <laughs> So, <laughs> I wasn't there. It's interesting that they're going back to the Parry Decker. Yeah, know. well, it's not uh, eh, eh, to the where, to the where, 
It's not Parry oh, Dakar. It's, it's Dakar, Dakar that's got nothing to do with Dakar. Uh, South American Dakar. Yeah, it's basically it's like a long distance sand pit through the hills. Mm. So they're going to have a go over there. But uh, rumours are such that Carlos Sainz, El Matador, who gets very cranky when things go wrong, and, and he gives my friend from the Middle East trouble, um, I uh, obviously he, he's fallen out. Well, Volkswagen had pulled out because they weren't running the tow rag. And then they had you know, some SMG buggy or something like that that just ended up going, there's a problem. And then... Uh, you know, um, he's uh, probably going to be having a drive for that. And it sounds like BMW's pulling out of it as well, because or B- BMW slash Mini, because with Stefan Paterhansel being linked to it. Well, what does that tell you, folks? What does that tell you, folks? I don't know, John. What does it tell me? <laughs> it tells you that motor racing is a merry-go-round, and the drivers will take money from wherever they can. Well, also, the car manufacturers come and go as they please. Their participation in any level of motorsport is, is a whim, and they'll come and go, so you can never rely upon them. Red Bull's involved. Total is involved. Isn't it interesting? Total was a backer of the Peugeot Le Mans car, and it's a brand that we don't see in this part of the world, but it used to be. Yeah, because I think you to... can buy Total, or in French it would be Total. I think you can... Oh, you haven't, have you, folks? You haven't had a haven't had a data failure on me. Oh, the viewers, he's had a data failure. I'll have to pause for a sec. Oh, we've had technical difficulties. Do not adjust your set. The fault is in us. <laughs> I can't believe you're using the camera on your fax machine. I, but we got you a new... Oh, did you put the RAM in your new machine? Have you put... Um, not quite. Oh, you are hopeless. So, viewers, we've bought... I've looked up the instructions. I kind of know what I have to do, but it involves a Phillips head screwdriver. It's on the on the bottom of the device. Yeah. So if you take... Here's my suggestion, viewers, and this is a little bit of tech time if you happen to have a 27-inch iMac, which was one of the ones which uses a DVD uh, drive inside it. Put a nice towel down on the table, um, not for the girl, for the computer, and put it face down so it's got its little leg up in the air and get it in there. The Phillips head screwdriver you'll require, you will find that the three screws will be quite loose, moist even, and they're very easy. We are talking about an iMac, aren't we? We are. I'm just trying to give you some incentive to get into it. In the air and moist, Moist. I'm suddenly looking forward to it. Just <laughs> don't do it now. I'm looking under it. Is that a Recaro you're sitting in? Folks? Yeah, no, it's like it. Well, what else is going on in the world? That's my name on the back of it. What else is going on in the world of motor racing, folks, and motorsport in general, and bit of business? I mean, is is anyone other than the man from South Africa going to jail? Is Bernie going to jail? 
Well, well, well is it just hoo ha Hankinen? <laughs> we don't know about Bertie yet. He's um, facing the prospect of going to trial in Germany, but JT. we still haven't heard whether that's. Um, well, I believe he's going ahead. A bit of JT, eh? But uh, yes, could be. Could be the end of an era, but we don't know yet. He, I mean, he he was acquitted. That's Jean Tome. With the you know with with the the trial in London um, on similar charges, um, I mean he did the, the judge wasn't all that impressed with him, but he was nonetheless acquitted of the charges. So um, we'll see what happens in Germany, but it could be interesting if um, if he is found guilty. Well, that changes the game completely. Well, puts him out of it, and who will be run, left running Formula One as anyone's guess. If that happens, there'll be complete anarchy, I would think. After the very nasty accident that Dario Franchetti, twice winner of, I think twice winner of Indianapolis 500, suffered last year, and uh, I'm not sure where the circuit was. Houston. Thank you. There was a problem. He had a, pro he had a problem. And um, the doctors advised him to uh, not race any anymore he's ignored that advice immediately well just this week anyway not exactly immediately and we'll see him return to indianapolis 500 who would have thought and there he is driving the course car he's the grand marshals <laughs> well it's a bit different isn't it and, uh, uh, no he couldn't race again well he could but he would have risked you know permanent spinal damage and um, I mean he, he came out of that accident it was a huge accident that ripped up half the fence um, you know he was quite lucky to, well he didn't walk away because broke legs and I think he had a head, head injury as well but mainly his back was what was the main danger and if he, if he raced again his doctors quite sim told him quite simply that you know, he would be risking um, being you know, paralysed yeah. So it's a sensible decision. So it's good. He'll, he's going to keep working for the Chip Ganassi's team in IndyCars as an advisor and a mentor. And he's, um, he's a great character. He's good for the sport to have him around. He's a great student of the sport too. He's steeped in the history of it, particularly of, you know, the Scottish heroes became, who, came, became, who came before him. Um, so if he's going to be the Grand Marshal in Indianapolis, that, that'll be a good role for him. And uh, driving the, well, the pace car or the course car is uh, hardly stressful for someone like him. No. His brother, Marino, is an equally good steer and probably has spent you know, more time in, in, in sports car racing, I guess, than, than Daria. I wouldn't say equally good. He's a handy steerer, but he's not equally good. Well, one of them got here. It wasn't Marino, ironically. But, uh, did, did, Named after a woolly sheep, did, and he's anything but. Did Daria ever drive a vehicle with a Judd engine? <laughs> boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's out of that now. So there we go. Oh! Start going there. Know anything about that?
Is it tech time, folks? Unless you, unless you want to, I would hope there's a bit of tech news. Unless you'd like to talk about the latest Uh, round at Amaru Park. Shall I, shall I I leave you and JP to reveal all the interesting new tech news of the week? No, no, no. I, I, I don't think that I can rely on him to turn up. I think you know. He's on his way. He is on his way. Oh, yes, he's on his way. <laughs> time shift. Yes, of course, mate. That'd be great. Look, I'll, uh, thanks for making time <laughs> tonight. Thank you for having me. And uh, I guess, uh, mate, uh, we're, we're both sojourning quite a bit this year, so I guess we'll, there'll be, we'll end up in some ob- ob- obstruse charcuterie somewhere. In Quebec. Uh, Pension in uh, Le Mans somewhere would be nice, wouldn't it? Ah. You and Nathan enjoy Zandvoort and and places beyond. I think you will like Zandvoort. It's quite an interesting track. I've not been there. Location, yeah. Close to the beach and sandiness. Mm. A little bit. I watched some uh, uh, the, the the last year's DTM championship. There, it doesn't take into account uh, some of the old track. But then I thought back to that movie one, and there was some sadness there. Um, Roger Williamson, I believe. Uh, yeah, Piers 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 Courage died there too. Yes, I believe. Well, back in the bad old days. Anyway. Thanks for making time, and uh, if you'd like to sign off on part one, up half of part, um, what is it, episode 265, because, you know, to be fair, this is Wednesday night, viewers, and, and, for, and JP's going to join us tomorrow night, so do you want to introduce JP in, because then I can, you know, it just makes it easier if you do that. Oh, I, I, and I can talk about barbecues as well if you want. We can do that tomorrow night in Babylon. Well, you've just been listening to, or watching, or you just missed part one of Radio Hot Lap episode 265. And now stand by to be joined by your super co-host, JP. <laughs> Very good, folks. <laughs> You don't preamble on the second part. Oh, well, why not? Well, I suppose you can. It'd well, be rare. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they've been listening to the folks all that time. They probably want a bit of a break. Or viewers. A bit of break. Well, you preamble can, will probably uh, do them good. You can uh, continue and enjoy your international passport for smoking pleasure. Absolutely. <laughs> not that it wasn't P- no, PS. Well, no, 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 PS. P- no, no, postscript here. Well, mm. it's a postscript on that bit of paper you've got there. There's probably postscript there too. Do you want to throw your voice or do you want me to throw you out? You can throw me out. Are they new glasses? Yes, they are. They're very um, studious with the black frames and all. They're not black, they're blue. You need to get your eyes fixed. Oh, they're blue when you do that, but when they're actually on your face, they look black. Yeah, they're... Uh, your skin... Multilingual. They must be translucent and your skin makes them look yeah, black. Yeah, I'm testing the new eyeglasses. <laughs> But more on that. Your later. old eyeglasses. Moron. Moron. Moron that later. Moron. <laughs> Fair enough. Suck cocker. So do you know 
our friend Jeff Fisher. Yeah. Mr. Fisher has the Wednesday after Clips for 500 was given the plastic bag. Is that right? Absolutely. As the motorsport manager for Nissan Australia. And he hasn't been replaced, although he has outlasted everybody else who was in that role. But a new CEO has been appointed to run Nissan Australia with a very unfortunate name of Richard Emery. Really? Yes. <laughs> oh, Dick. Well, you are awful, but I like you. That's right. <laughs> and so I thought we should, get, we should get Jeff on the phone. Oh, no. His son. <laughs> and then, of course, when I rang Zooks yesterday about it, and, of course, I'll get, try and get him on the phone in a sec, um, he was uh, jovial, to say the least. Jovial? Jovial Zooka. We'll see if we can get him on the phone. Well, I found the Zooks on the phone. Are you there, mate? I think you got to run to an accident. I am, mate. I, uh, I've got uh, my paycheck says professional driver. It just does not state which race car, taxi, tow truck, all of the above. It's, uh, it's not the accident of Mr Emery, is it? Did Mr Emery run into Mr Emery? Uh, I'll be able to let you know in about 15 minutes when I arrive. Right. So it's not... The... <laughs> It's not the sort of um, damage you can polish out with a bit of emery paper, then? <laughs> no, no, but uh, a lot of the times the people I go to pick up are usually Dick Emery's that have crashed severely through <laughs> stupidity. Mate, uh, you've had a bit of Dick Emery behaviour yourself, haven't you, at Clipsal? We haven't really talked about that since, where you're uh, licking the wall there at Turn 8. Yeah, apparently I've been told by numerous friends that I'm one of their special friends that licks windows, so I decided to lick the wall at, at uh, Turn 8 at Clipsal. What did it taste like? Concrete. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you toughened up then? So, same as Fuji Teppanyaki then? Yeah, it's a little bit. Oh, grey, stale, stiff, I guess. You like a stiff, don't you, Johnny? Yeah, wait. Alright, mate, well, look, you know, we'll. <laughs> We'll let you go and do what you love most, and we'll just continue on here and having sort of some interesting banter. But we're thinking of you, and that's why we called. No, no worries. Well, I've popped the headset in, the iPhone 5S and the fancy headphones were connected, so I can probably talk for another minute or two, should you decide to start a gas bag to Australia's fastest tow truck driver. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but do we want him? another toe that's, in the water the exercise, isn't do, it? Do, do we want him? But uh, just go run run through your you know clipsals behind you now. But um, what weekend after this it's back at Winton. You've been testing this week and getting to getting your head around the ex David Reynolds fifty two D car, the brown car. Oh, it was dark green and Doctor Reynolds car. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, it's, <laughs> it's you know for the longest time I've had my you know one of my best friends, uh, Mark Frosty Winterbottom, sort of to get a Ford and get out of the hold and so look we finally got it had to run a Clipsal and uh, you know we took time out to have a test day on the Tuesday uh, two days ago at Winton and um, had one of the FBR engineers come down and just try to coach me into the very unique style of driving that these FBR cars require That's interesting What can you uh, enlighten us a little on that unique style? Yeah, apparently you turn the key, put your foot on the gas, change your gears, turn the steering wheel. Oh, the key. <laughs> the key. So, so, yeah, turn the key. Turn the key. Only driven on Sundays, really. Um, 
ideas as to how to make the cars go fast. And of course, obviously, you know, FPR and AAA are probably the two leading teams to, you know, they're the teams to beat. If you want their cars, they're the ones you, you know, you've got to try and have. And with FPR in particular, they've just designed the front end to a point where it's hard to describe, but you kind of need to... When you come into your braking zone, you've got to turn the car with a fair amount of what they call pitch over the front wheel. So that it effectively, you've got brake on, the suspension's fully loaded across the front tyres, and that's when the car responds best to an initial slight steering input. So you've got to time it correctly, but you sort of put on the brake, come in, you know, down to gears, and just as you're about to... You know, you're ready for the apex. You actually turn the wheel a little while you still got brake hard on, but then you sort of come out of it quite quickly because if you've got too much brake on and you turn too much, it'll get understeer. Or if you get off the brake too quickly and, and you know you've you've still got too much speed on, it'll understeer. So it's very much a knife edge, and they are quite a tricky car to drive, as I've since found out from Flipsel and you know. Once you trust the car and what it can do, it's obviously very rewarding. And for me, because I'm probably a little older than some of the other, you know, young whippersnappers out there, you're trying to get set in your old ways. And because I've driven cars that are probably not up to scratch for the majority of my career, I've kind of picked up bad habits. So, in other words, you're saying that the car is predominantly more pointy than the, than the Holden? It's a lot less unforgiving. Is that the go? You know, it's quite accurate what you said is that, you know, you, it's not a case of learning bad habits, is that 
if you were to draw a graph over time of your your ability to learn new skills, they start to sort of plateau off, I guess, because you sort of, it's hard to learn a whole completely new set of rules. And your confidence gets knocked around a little bit like that. And imagine, I mean, for all the guys that, let's just say something completely radical, that overseas that, that drove the Delta Wing for the first time, like visually and on paper, everyone thought, well, how can this thing even turn? Yet it did, but they went into it with a, probably a very sceptical mindset about its ability to be able to turn rather than push. Yeah, it's, it is, uh, you know, I guess each team, and, you know, they've got their ideas and concepts and, you know, sometimes on paper the most ridiculous ideas work the best and sometimes the most practical ideas are the worst. Like, it just, yeah, and that's, you know, I guess that's where FR and Triple Eight are probably, you know, just a step above the rest because of their, I guess, added edge, so, no. Well, uh, like, weekend after this, mate, is the uh, second round of the Dunlop V8 Supercar Championship for you in Winton. It's a test track for you. It's not exactly the greatest track in the world that you like. It's not flowing like Phillip Island, but at least it doesn't have concrete canyons. So, um, you know, you've had a bit of a baptism of fire between um, Homebush and, and Clips will really make an error there's nowhere to hide so wish you all the best there and get that behind you and, and uh, start to move on to some of the more enjoyable tracks of the season yeah yeah no I'm, that's that's what i'm looking forward to now i'm you know winter like you said not being a concrete canyon i've kind of got i've got room to move i guess you could say so now i can sort of really have a big big go at it if i make an error all you can do is run off the track and get some mud in it you know so that's what I'm sort of looking forward to not having that pressure because obviously after my crash at Homebush it puts me on the back foot you know and I'm only a privateer team so I've got to tear up money to fix it so then you go to Clipsal it's more concrete so I'm sort of driving on tender hooks now as a driver it, it kind of sucks when you have to you know really have to think about that you just want to be fearless you just want to hop in the car you just want to wring its neck and who gives a shit what happens that's what a real race driver should do but you know unfortunately with you know my situation and if i want to be at the event i kind of have to you know make sure i get through the event to make it to the next event simply just because things are expensive and you know the what? budgets and bits and pieces so you know but i'm looking forward to this one being able to i guess really let loose and hopefully not have too much serious you know issues at the end of it where concrete gets involved Mate, um, I, I, I wish you all the best for that. I mean, just on a final note before you go, because I know you've got to <laughs> maybe make you feel, feel better going, picking up some wrecked cars right now, is uh, the, the issue of driver standards in the Dunlop Series versus the uh, Main Gate V8 Supercar Championship. What's your thoughts on that, without singling anyone out? Oh, look, I mean, it's hard to compare simply because, OK, Main Series, that's 25 of Australia's drivers so you know that they're, they're the best at what they do whereas some of our guys can be you know checkbook racers some of them can be young and up-and-coming hot shots you know other guys like me enjoying it you know still trying to i guess grab a podium where we can the, the mindset varies amongst our field more so than it does in the main series so yeah. judgments and choices are a little different along through 
hard to try and clean up. I mean, you know, people talk about maybe there should be monetary fines or this or that. It's, it is very hard. It's, I guess you just got to kind of drum, I don't know, common sense and maybe a bit of practicality into some of the guys' heads that, you know, that probably don't think sometimes before they make moves. And look, you know, under the heat of battle, we all make mistakes. Shit, I've made a ton of mistakes over my career, but you got to try to do your best to not make stupid mistakes. And sometimes the shit and dumb off this stupid stuff. But conversely, Marcus, you're, you know, you've won multiple Australian championships, so others haven't. But look, I'll let you go. But just finally before you go, Frosty, have you spoken to him? Because he went on over to Brazil and got on the podium. Yes, I did. I, I, I've had a chat with him. He had a fantastic time and um, was very impressed with those cars. He said he could not believe the aero and the way the cars broke. As in, you know, we would, for example, 130 metres in a V8 supercar, he's saying, you know, 50, 60 metres, he's right on the threshold. And he said, they were just incredible cars. To drive. Well, I think they're like a silhouette formula that sort of, it's like, they, they tried to do silhouette, silhouette 20, 25 years ago and it never quite worked. Yeah, it's, it's a aero package, DTM style sort of arrangement. And I had a look at the grid. And they did some, half of them are ex-Formula 1 drivers. Yes, and Mark said that. He said there's definitely some depth in this, uh, you know. <laughs> Brazil's renowned for obviously great drivers, but he said this particular series is obviously one of the pinnacles in Brazil. And he said the quality, you know, Rubens Barrichello, you know, Nelson Piquet Jr. and Bruno Senna and some of these guys. Like, there's some pretty fancy names there. And, uh, yep. yeah, he was... Uh, Yep, yep, yep. Excellent. All right, mate. Well, all the best um, over uh, in, in sorry in Winton the weekend luck after Winton, next. Mate. As you know, we'll, I'll be over in uh, Europe with uh, with with Nathan at the ADAC G2 Winton. Masters uh, testing. Um, and interesting to see that Maro Engel has as uh, he's put his hand up to go and have a go at it as well this year. So uh, interesting. Nice benchmarking. <laughs> yeah. it should be good. Maro's quite the talent. I mean, he's very very good GT driver. I mean, looking yeah. Absolutely, like Betty sent him over to Macau when he led both races until mechanical issues forced him out. So um, that's got to be exactly. the way to do it. So, all right, mate. Uh, good stuff. All right, well, I'll, uh, all right, I'll continue to save the day one car accident at a time. <laughs> good for you. You're my hero. And good luck at Winton. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, boys. All right, mate. All right, mate. Cheers. Thanks, buddy. See ya. See ya. Yes. So, uh, yeah. There you go, Marcus. We all like Marcus. <laughs> a... Uh, long-term V8 supercar driver here in Australia and uh, for those who I suppose who have not listened to Radio Hot Lap before from overseas I guess we'll be getting a few people wanting to listen to us blabbing on and talking bullshit Australian style well yeah it'd be, be a bit puzzling for JP them, really, my regular our regular co-host since episode one this is episode 265 which I'd like to point out is um what it is uh St. Leonard's to Balmoral Beach. Is that right? <laughs> Is that right, uh, Fine Wine Buying Manager 2.0? The bus route 265? Right. Oh, it could be the 257. I don't know. We'll have to check on that. But either way, if you come over here, we'll make sure you don't get lost. Because you can do barbecues on, on buses over here, can't you, Jake? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, it, it's yeah, part yeah, of the yeah. Australian tradition. Yeah. Mm. yeah. 
especially when the uh, when the engine overheats, you can do a good bit of fishing foil. Yeah, a good bit of fish and foil. Well, don't do that in the toilets. They say you're not allowed to do any barbecuing in the toilets. But uh, I uh, thanks for putting me on to that A380 episode last night with uh, Richard Decrypney, a, a How good QF32. And you finally got to see the, yes. the, the old bloke. And, uh, yeah, he and Nathan um, got together on one of the trips over last year. Very interesting. It was. I, did uh, you send him an email today? No, I did not. You said you were going to? But I didn't. Okay. Fair enough, then. All ended up well. Good. So, next week, ADAC. Yes. Do the viewers need to know what's going on? Well, the viewers have already been told. Well, with I know episodes the two, told. Yeah, one, I know, the part one. But they I may need a little bit of a refresher. I just, I, yeah, I'll just give you a bit of a, an overview. That there are, it's a, for, In recapping last season, um, is that there were 92 drivers from 17 nations. So uh, that doesn't mean that there were 41 cars, because as we as we know, unfortunately, that with Christina Nielsen pairing up with Alan Simonson and after Alan's death was replaced by um, Sean Edwards, who uh, was also replaced by yet another driver and. Um, 47 drivers, basically, from countries other than Germany, 22 brands, teams from five nations. Um, in terms of GT3 category brands, uh, Aston Martin, Audi, BMW, Corvette, Chevrolet, Ford, Lamborghini, Mercedes-Benz, of course, Nissan, uh, Nissan and Porsche. And uh, racing with Farnbacher, the yep. car's being livered up at the moment, and uh, the second car is uh, being driven by... Uh, the 2012 winner of the championship, his name is Sebastian Arsch, and I believe his father was Roland Arsch. Now, I've probably got the name wrong, viewers. If you're German and you want to come and correct me about it, like when I get over there, it's probably... <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You're not enough. That's right. You need to hang out. And, uh, and uh, Philip from Villa, but it's probably... <laughs> and he'll probably correct me next week, but we'll get the meat, so... Meet those guys. Um, yeah. Interesting. If you want to watch the coverage, um, if everybody turned their TV sets on, which they don't, the coverage is nearly a billion people. Is that right? And the only place in the world that it isn't covered, JP, is in North Korea. <laughs> yeah, well. Greenland. Right. Which is actually Denmark. I think they got that wrong. Right. North Denmark. <laughs> It's <laughs> a large chunk of it. <laughs> and uh, what do you reckon this bit is here? Is that northeastern Chinese, southern Uzbekistan? Yeah, oh, with a Mongolian yeah, sizzling Mon platter? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Definitely the Mongolian yeah. sizzling platter. And and out here, Tony Bullymore. <laughs> with his Newton. <laughs> but so, uh, 21,200 people turned so up. So we can watch it here if we've got Fox? Yes. Correct? That's what I understand right. as a delayed telecast. But um, last year they went to Spa, and it's not in the um, it's not in the championship this year. Right. Uh, Zandvoort replaces Spa, but that's oh, right. probably an interesting place. A bit of Dutch sand. Starting off at Osserschleben, which I'm told in the, is the most northern German circuit that's not really, well, a good representation of Germany. Right. Because the team is based in... 
Bavaria. Bavaria. Uh, this is the place where Bernie's on trial. Uh, right. And there's yep. torts. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there's an ORT. <laughs> e. Yeah, it's not a A. Um, Saxon ring, Nürburgring, Red Bull ring, Lausus ring, which is the unfortunate circuit where Alex Sinardi lost his legs. Oh, right, yep, yep. Slovakia ring and Hockenheim, but not Hockenheim ring. There you go, figure. Should be good. More to come soon. Good, good, good. Nathan was in the studio this morning and... Um, well, making a record, is he? He is making a record. Yep. Making the record of how many times I can told him to get back in the studio and get it right. <laughs> He's getting his photo taken. That's right. If you have a look right. at the new hotlap.com.au website, all will be revealed. There you go. With interesting Dominic hair. <laughs> and that's all you can say about that. So I suppose, well, after the big folks about Blab and Marcus and that stuff, I guess we're on the tech time, are we? Do we need to... <laughs> Come on, you can do it better than that. You've got to oh, smash something next oh, time. Oh, let's be cracking that bowl now. iPad, iPad 2, smash iPad 2 smash. Well, yeah, well that, that, that's probably the first bit of tech time, isn't it? Is, is the fact that iPad 2 is now out the window. And iPad 4... Did I do a Segui without knowing it? New entry-level one. You did a seg- Segui. Well, basically what you get, you get your Retina. Yep. So you've got Retina display, but you've got better processor. Um, still only 16 gig entry-level. But uh, as an entry-level box or tablet... It's uh, certainly much better value than the uh, than the two was, um, and a lot more recent. And of course, from an Apple perspective, it moves everybody away further from thirty pin um, into Lightning connectors. And you love selling those connectors. Well, you know, twenty five bucks a pop. Crazy, hey, isn't it? We got a, it's got a supercomputer. Yeah, well, it has it's got a computer in the end of the. We will do that. Anyway. Uh, uh, notice today that uh, we haven't yet seen Mac Pros arrive in this part of the world. Yeah, we have. Oh, have you seen them? The we've new round we've ones? We've had a demo. Oh. For, we've had a demo, uh, demo unit. You've probably been in the store about five times while it's been there, right well, up the back. Oh, well, that's why no so, one sees it. So, um, no, it's very, very noticeable. Um, so that's been well, running now for about six weeks because it's the right spot for it. Yeah, but you can say Mac Pro up this back, back, not up the front. That's why I didn't see it. If I'd been in five times, I didn't see it. I'd like to well, see because it because you've been up at the front counter. Yeah, but there could have been a sign saying Mac but Pro at the you, back. You could have opened your eyes and yeah. gone, "Oh, look, there's a Mac Pro down the no, end but there." But you, you wouldn't want to help the customer try to find it, would you? Well, did you ask whether we? Got no, one? I just assumed okay. that you'd so, go, you'd gone, "Don't be silly, we don't have we've, any of those." We've had a demo unit for about six weeks now, and we've sold two BTOs already. We've got two in stock of the 3999 model, and I've got two more BTOs coming for one of my clients, which is a bit more up, up spec. Really? Okay. So, yes, they're, they're here, they're moving, they're very, very small. Well, what display have you paired it with? 27 inch. But, but it's still the old shitty display. No, the new one. Oh, is there a new display? Well, there's the, the newer display. The one, like the old LED, 27 inch LED, was discontinued in October and replaced with one that's got a Thunderbolt connection rather than But it's a still a big, thick thing. No, 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 it's a mini display port. No, no, the big, thick, the, the display looks thick. The display, yeah, it still thick. looks thicker than an iMac. Well, yeah, just buy an iMac yeah. and well, use it as a display. IMAC, yeah. So in other words, it hasn't been revised at all. Well, it has been revised in as much as it's got Thunderbolt ports on the back. Other than that. 
and you can it's, yeah, it's, and it's better quality. But, it's but the actual how much is the actual same eleven ninety nine or whatever it is. Outrageous. So, nothing with you know outrageous. special. Does it provide four K resolution? No. Well, then what's the point? Because Apple push you on to going and getting an ESO or something if you want 4K. Well, well but that's the whole idea of it. I think I you're just arguing it across purposes again, JP. Because, you see, the device has been made with limited, limited amount of expansion capability. No PCI card availability. So really, it's, it's up to the third parties to be able to provide something. Well, I have found today that a company with which you've had nothing to do with, Sonnet. Oh, yeah, Sonnet Technologies. We've sold their stuff before. It's just Sonnet. They've dropped the word technologies. All right, then. Have, um, have provided a, uh, an interesting solution where it actually slides in the guts. The round devices, the four-unit four, four rack Oh, right, rack it's a four device, U, is it? And it sits right. in here and okay. all the cards are in here. Now, you might want to take that in stock, but why don't you put it right up the back well, so no one can see it? Maybe yeah. you can bring the customers in the back door. If we had one, we probably could. Was it private viewing? Maybe we'll let them in from under the stairs. Private viewing. Yeah. They'll sort of go, look, I don't want you to buy one. It's exclusive. That's right. Put it yeah. in here. But, uh, but this, no, uh, it's called an XMAC Pro Server, three PCIe, uh, single with expansion slots, um, room for one or a, or, a, or a double, Thunderbolt 2, mounting kit, you know, obviously, um, three USB ports on the back, gigabit, gigabit eth uh, Ethernet, uh, HDMI, a single USB on the front, presumably for maintenance issues. Yes. Um, a 300-watt 300, 300 uh, power supply and a 75-watt PCI power connector for supplemental power to... Hungry! <sighs> I'm getting hungry. Just hungry. <laughs> power hungry. PCIe cars. Now, basically, you don't know any what that means because you've never been down the back end of the shop. But if you go and have a look at Sonnet, not Sonnet technology. You might uh, learn up a little bit, you know. So how much? That's the big question. Well, I to say, look, I can't talk about pricing at this point. You, you know, let's What's just the US no, pricing. No, I'm not talking about that. Mooted US pricing. Mo you can I'm give not, us mooted. I'm, I'm not mooting nothing. Go on. Pricing has moot not, it out. Pricing has not been announced. Right. Okay. I'm not announcing it. So, but if well, if they've got half a brain, they'd put you it up in front of the shop where people would see it. You would expect that the pricing when paired with the Mac Pro would come somewhere just under where the X-Serve used to be since it was sitting in a 4U rack. So there you go. Back to you. Back That's to it me. for me. Well, I'll tell you what, Windows XP. You the love time it. time is finally, finally arriving. April the 8th. It's all over Red Rover. Well, who cares? Microsoft are pulling support. Yeah, we know that. Yeah, but there's thousands of boxes out there still that are running it. But well, they don't need to be. But they don't, they don't provide any support in the first place. Well, true. So what's the point of having any support? Well, there you go. But I finally, think you, again, yeah. you're across... Interestingly, a number, a large number of ATMs around the place run on the basis of XP. And there's apparently a hack that people can use to gain lots of cash if they know what they're doing. So they're actually keeping support for embedded XP devices, like ATMs, running until January 2015, I believe. That's just great news. So, well, for the PC heads, I'm it sure. It wasn't great enough. news for the man that took the photograph of the background of 
XP desktop, the Rolling Hills. The, yeah, the Rolling Hills. The Rolling of XP. Hills. Had he realised that if he had asked one cent, one cent per licensed version of XP, he would have made ten million dollars. Is that right? Well, there you go. You hear it here first. That was very good, Johnny. I like that. There's another good segue. Now, while we're on Microsoft... What are you doing? While we're on Microsoft, if you use Office and you use Outlook, there's a hole in the rich, rich text format that uh, can allow people to bug your machine effectively. Well, I, I actually felt that that was the case yesterday because I was doing... I was actually writing in Outlook... Yep. And I was typing some stuff in, and I was going underscore between it. And as soon as I did underscore, it turned it into italics. Mm. And that's very strange. I've never seen that. So obviously I've got, I've got, I've got gremlins in the well, system. Well, the, the RTF, I mean, the, the, the default is that if you get something in RTF in an email, it will default to opening in Word. Now, if you're a Mac user, and it's not just PC users, if you've got Office 2011 running on a Mac, you've still got the same problem. But what you can very cunningly do is... You can go and tell it that if you see it, if it sees RTF, you can open it with TextEdit instead. Now this will be one of your favourites here. I hope it will be, because those ones weren't. Oh shut up! There's real-time data happening in Victoria, and it's going to spread everywhere else. <laughs> that allows cab companies to rank their cabbies and how good they are and where they're at and. It's all done. Neg over here, back through GPS. Well, that's, I knew you were going. I knew you'd have a story. The other day, like from cabbies. the airport, the guy, I get in and he goes. I said, "Where are you going?" I said, "Leebrook." He goes, Nor "Norwood." I go, "That's easy." And he goes, "Can you direct me to Norwood from to, the airport?" He had no idea. He came, doo, 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 doo. I just, you know, I was in one of those moods. I didn't want to. If I'm going to speak to him, I'm going to give him. And he was a 40k driver. <sighs> oh no! <sighs> Brakes all the time. <sighs> Oh. oh, it was killing me. Left-hand lane behind buses and trucks. Absolutely no idea. It cost me another $10 to get here. $45 yeah. from the airport to here. Well, anyway, the, oh. base, the taxi cab operators board or whatever have got this me. new thing happening. And they reckon that they're going to be able to provide real-time data on, on cab drivers and on cabs. They'll know where they are. And there'll be a public register of taxi operators that will include wait times and complaint stuff that you'll be able to actually look at on your phone. So there you go. And I don't think there's anything else much techie that's sort of been happening. Well, this so evening... It's probably time to move on to food. It is time to move on to food. And it's not barbecues, but this evening? Because we're going to go and have a pizza, and I don't imagine that Fine Wine Wine Manager 2.0 will want to go out. He'll probably want to stay in. So, but he's... he's huh? He's quite welcome to come, but what I have he done, is quite I have accommodated him by yeah. providing and creating a beautiful osobuco for his enjoyment, oh, personal enjoyment, yeah. made last night, very, very nice, and you know those things are actually better the next night, right? Yes, they usually are. With the kiplers and all the stuff ready to go, yeah. And um, but I just enjoyed it, yep. and a little bit of saffron. A bit of saffron. So viewers, get a nice saucepan, a big saucepan bit of good oil in the bottom. I put a little bit of garlic in for a moment. Didn't hack it to pieces, just mm. smashed it with the back of a knife. And a little bit, just when it starts to brown, pulled it out, put it in and reserved it. 
Ooh. into a separate dish, Very and then good. put the put the buco down there and do it. nice big bones because Russ has a bit of a chew on that, and the marrow comes out. Two of those, two of about eight eight hundred grams, lot browned up big time. Put that back in some uh, eschalots. Oh yes, very yeah. nice. Mm. Put some eschalots in um, whole. Mm. After putting one regular onion in the bottom and it sizzled away like that, I put a tin of uh, going out of business SPC Ardmona crushed tomatoes. They're not going out of business anymore. Well, Woolworths that's have good come to their rescue good, while you were in New good, Zealand. Good tomatoes, good yep. tomatoes, and put them in and uh, a good uh, a good dash, probably a cup of fine wine, fine wine buying managers 2.0's chocolate box. <laughs> Tempranillo. <laughs> that uh, made a very, very nice uh, flavour. And box, sure a little bit of turmeric, a yep. little bit of cardamom, right. and a little bit of paprika. Sweet ah, paprika. Sweet paprika's always yep. good. I a love little bit, not too much paprika. like you do. It's yep. um, off. <laughs> when we go and say Saganovic Town. And a bit of uh, saffron. Yep. Bung that in there. A little bit of salt, a little bit of pepper, and let that simmer away for a while. Then I placed the carrots in there in full but you know chunk size yep and then kiflers towards the end so just over a three hour period they absorbed all the flavors and finally some nice large chunks of zucchini oh very good and uh well also buco from the gods well i got i got a i got a facebook message from Lindsay dive oh Lindsay going he said you're joking. Yes, Where's is. the grimalata? <laughs> I went, well, <laughs> the grimalata was on holiday. Mr. Kiffler stepped up to the plate. That's right. And uh, actually, JP, I didn't know that grimalata was a combination of lemon zest and garlic. and I thought it was like a creamy... Um, like a cre- really creamy potato, or right? Like that. I didn't know. Do you know much about gremolata? No, I don't. Well, it's meant to go very little about well, gremolata's out. Well, so that's something we're going to look into. It's like a, a gratin, yep, without being a grat. Right. Okay. So I said, "You're choking, then." <laughs> anyway, find my manager two point eight. You can step up to the plate tonight to enjoy Osso Buco, one day relaxed. There you go. And whilst we go out and have a pizza. And you're stepping up to the plate, and it'll be on a white plate. It will be. Now, Johnny. Yes. You are a steak sandwich connoisseur. Well, we both like to travel. Travel. True. We like to travel. Well. And we like to travel and test our sandwich, you know, country, country style. Yes. Sandwiches. Traditional Aussie-style steak sandwich. Yes. Yes. Now, I've found you... Because it's been mucking around. I've found you the ultimate upmarket steak sandwich. Now, it's got all lots of things you like in it. Let me tell you. But what'll be on... It's got... It'll be on, like, like exotic bread that I Grass-fed like. steak. No, no, no. It's only sourdough bread. So, you know, a bit of sourdough bread. But listen to these, these ingredients that you will like. That you do like. Go on. Half a Chinese cabbage, finely shredded. Yes. Yep. Okay. Some rice bran oil. A Lebanese cucumber. See, Johnny's getting interested. I do now. like it, but Things I find the Lebanese cucumber can be a Juice bit of a lime. And then a bunch of spring onions, finely chopped. 
Yep. Some sesame oil, some light soy, some sherry vinegar. And so what you basically do is you cook your steak as you would. Any cupy? No. That's it. So it's an Asian coleslaw that you're making with all that lovely stuff and putting it all together. And I reckon it's deluxe. I haven't tried it yet. What do you think of that FWBM 2.0? What do you think? I got hold of the recipe and I thought that has got to be a tryout. Oh, pipe up. What? I, I'm, th- I'm thinking that, you know, it's just not right. I think there's something missing there. Yeah. yeah. What's missing? The tomato, you don't tell me. Yet. Yeah, th- yeah, yeah. All right. No, I haven't. I'm sorry. I think but we should. If you. It's not a good old Aussie sandwich. It's no, not. If it's we're travelling and you stop at the Shell Servo... That wasn't the idea. The idea was to give our barbecuing um, viewers a different take on a steak sandwich that they can make. Where's the beetroot? There's no beetroot. Well, you can have beet. I mean, look... You can put whatever you like in it, but that, the whole crux the of it is it's an Asian coleslaw and salsa rather than... I must put that on my list of things to take. A tin of beetroot. Well, there we are. You must too. Don't forget it, because if you're making burgers, you know they're all going to expect them. They're either going to have them, yep, or don't have them. Well, there you go. So we've, we've come across so many illegal things, FWBM 2.0, on uh, on our travels, our travels, because we like to travel <laughs> and have these things. Round steak sandwiches, which are buns. I go, what is it? Well, can you cut it diagonally for me? No. And it's not <laughs> bread. It's well, it's, well, it it's a bun. It was a hamburger bun. Oh, with a bit of steak in it. Wrong. Well, was that? That was very Indians wrong. Indians of oil. Yeah, it was at the servo that used to be a BP, but now is suddenly a Liberty. Yeah, sorry, pay my card don't work. Horrid, horrid. Oh, and then and then we caught these people out at Yakers. They're putting them on the press. Putting them down. Mm. Yeah, they, the old they weren't press. even they weren't even cooking the interior. Compressed bread. It's like having a steak jaffle. <laughs> anyway, on that note, I'm hungry. And Are we going to eat uh, pizza? See you in Europe. Absolutely. A review. <laughs>